0: Welcome to episode 100
1: What's going on everybody welcome back to a very special episode of off mats podcast This is episode 100 and let me tell you I'm excited I didn't think we we're gonna make it here, because in the beginning, I didn't even know how to use the mixer. I think the first episode we used my phone, and you could tell because you could hear me, but you couldn't hear my guests. So off of that, and then just going through the learning process of figuring this all out, we got we we got it moving. So episode one hundred, we're here, and for this episode, we're gonna have a uh, quite a few guests here, and. I'm going to be working together with my good friend Tiana Taylor as my co host here. Welcome, Tiana. Thank you for this. Thank
2: you very much.
1: We're going to have a Jiu Jitsu roundtable here with various ranks in the community. And we're going to go ahead and start off with uh, some introductions. So, first, I have BJJ Mama. Hello.
3: Hey there. Hey, sorry. (laughs) BJJ Mama, Paige. I don't even know my real name anymore. I'm Paige. Also Um, BJJ Mama, and I'm a blue belt (laughs) down in Georgia.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And then I have student of BJJ. Welcome.
0: Thank you. Glad to be back on here. Uh, Yeah. For those of you don't know me, uh, my name's Zach student at BJJ, run the account, and uh, somewhere between a white belt and purple belt. That depends on the day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then I have my good friend, Johan. I, I never know how to say your Instagram handle, so I just always refer to it as Johan. Welcome, yeah, my friend.
4: Thank you. It's a mix between my last name and my <laughs> my fir- first name. So I usually just say U- Lord because oh. it's U- Johan Dorenson, so... And I live in Sweden, so I think i have far, well, most north of all of you. <laughs> yeah. um, hold the rank of brown belt since three years ago now, four years maybe. I don't know. The pandemic has been kind of time just flies, flies by. So, yeah.
1: We have lost time with that. And then last but not least, we have a Enrique's. 218 welcome
5: hey everyone um alex enriquez here or uh, instagram handle a enriquez 218 um i'm a black belt under bruno forzado and nathan hadley over at outsource atlanta in georgia
1: awesome and that is our group here and again also my co-host tiana taylor so we're gonna go ahead and just jump right in and get to uh, some Q and A and conversation here. So my first question I wanted to um, address to Zach and kind of, you know, really get everyone's take on this as well. But Zach, I haven't talked to you in so long, man. I miss you, dude. Um, I wanted to ask way too long. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I want to ask you with just life going on in general for you. You have a lot on your plates you're balancing training family and you're working on the brilliant Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu app. How do you find time to balance all of that? Uh,
0: The, the sad answer is I don't. Uh, I'm uh, always running from, from spot to spot, you know, wherever I see the squeaky wheel, that's where I got to get to. Um, It'd be nice if I had better time management, but man, there's so much chaos rolled up, you know, into each of those events that you just got to do what you got to do. And, Uh, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you got to understand where your passions are, you know, where the needs are. And and that's what you address. So a lot of times, you know, family, um, I have the faith that family's going to be there. So they sometimes get neglected more than they should uh, until everything craters. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna set everything to the side and really focus on family. So the biggest thing that I try to do is whatever I'm doing in that moment, I try to be all in, you know, if I'm trying to, if I'm with the family, but I'm thinking about the app or if I'm at jujitsu thinking about family, then I'm sort of failing two things instead of just failing one. So whatever I'm doing, I try to be really focused in on it. And then uh, switching gears is really important. So I have to be able to like bad day on the mats. Fine. Leave it there. Uh, at least I got to train, be with family and focus on that. Then everyone goes to bed and, you know, I'll work till who knows what time in the middle of the night, just because that's when I can focus on the app. So kind of jumping from. Uh, passion to passion means I'm not super great at any one thing but at least I'm you know really stretching and learning no matter what I'm doing
1: yeah I, I always wonder that whenever I want to message him like man this dude is so busy <laughs> I, I don't want to send no <laughs> messages to him so no I, I honestly like the I'm, I'm very introverted
0: by nature so for me like I'm not I'm not I don't feel isolated, but then I'll realize I've been way too isolated, you know, I haven't reached out. And so all these relationships that I built out over time, you know, I just, I I suck at keeping those um, maintained. And I always appreciate when someone reaches out to me, because it's like, man, I've been meaning to do this for like three days, or three weeks, or whatever that is. And, you know, that's sort of my flag that, okay, I really need to just sit down and focus on this relationship and get back into it. So I always appreciate the random messages. It's, it's never a distraction. It's normally like something I needed to do anyway. And it just reprioritizes
1: for me. Sure thing. I'll, I will keep that in mind. We're kind of similar in that where I'm like, I I get wrapped up and it's like, it's not that I'm forgetting to message people. Sometimes I'm just lost, but then there are cases, especially with you. I'm just like, okay, I know I have to message him. I'm sharing his post on Instagram. I should probably <laughs> reach out to him at some point. <laughs> like, hey man, like nice post, Thanks. Um, <laughs> But but um, again glad to have you on here. Glad to hear from you. And um, always stoked to be on this. <laughs> um, and Paige, you're yeah. also full <laughs> full plate. Tell me mom about mom
3: life, it. man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Kind of like what Zach said. It's it's a balancing act. Like, I have my days where I wish my jiu-jitsu was better, but I know that it's not because I'm also focusing on being a mom and, you know, we own a business and just trying to figure out what the perfect split of my time is. Um, And I think, too, the biggest thing, at least for people that are trying to juggle, you know, like their real life and jiu-jitsu is just kind of like figuring out in the beginning what parts need what amount of attention. So, you know, like before we had our kid, I was all, oh, I'm going to compete and train and be whatever, something big. And then we had our kid and I'm like, oh, wait, she's cool. I want (laughs) to hang with that a little bit. Like, you know, I want to be a mom. So... I had to kind of sit down and reevaluate like, okay, I'm probably not going to be some world-class athlete, but that's okay. Cause I'm going to be a really good mom and a mediocre jujitsu athlete. And that's okay. Too. But like, I think just coming to terms with that, you know, instead of like continuing my journey and getting upset about other people getting higher rank or surpassing me. Like, I think that that's the biggest thing I had to, I mean, even so I have my days where I'm like, Oh, these people that started with me they're like brown belts now and you know my husband will remind me he's like your jiu-jitsu journey included you getting pregnant having a kid you used to have a full-time job like calm down (laughs) but I think that that's like the biggest thing for people that are trying to juggle their you know regular life and jiu-jitsu life
1: (laughs) and Alex um what about your your training, life balance?
5: So, so fortunately, I had the, you know, since I've, I'm very young, I'm uh, just turned 23. So I kind of have that freedom of just doing whatever I wanted to with, like, responsibilities, <laughs> but I've chosen to <laughs> pretty much dedicate, like, basically all of it to jujitsu, jitsu And it's fortunately worked out for me for the better so far. And... I've been able to start like the beginning of reaping the, the, you know, the successes of it all. And it's, it's been paying off. So I'm super happy about it all. Um, I train anywhere from maybe like six to seven days a week, mostly two to three times a day. And that's just with training that doesn't involve like teaching, doing privates. And then of course, active rest days and all that. Uh, But it's, been uh, it's been really a, a, a journey of like learning how to become a professional athlete um, especially since I think jiu-jitsu is like a younger sport and we're I think on the cusp of exploding into something that could be really mainstream really something that you know the younger generation could look as into like a career where they can make Possibly as much money as other professional sports do, and that that's like super exciting. And so I'm, you know, I'm right now trying to put all my chips into doing that. And because I'm like, well, if if it doesn't work out in five years, I'm only like 27, 28 twenty. <laughs> You're young enough
6: you'll, I, a, you'll be fine. <laughs>
5: exactly. So I was like, I would. It would just be like a disservice if I didn't try to follow my passion and do it to the fullest. So. Just in the middle of doing that, and it's been an amazing ride so far. So, can't
1: complain. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Hey, and just so you know, I I share it with you as well. I have a lot of responsibility. Yeah, I have a kid and everything in the family, but I do whatever I want. So, (laughs) yeah,
6: Yeah, screw it. Screw it. Until my daughter reminds
1: me, Dad, I need to be fed. She she can't make her own food yet. Uh, Hey, Johan, what's that that split like for you? Just that balance between life, training, and
4: everything? Yeah, I don't know how I actually manage it sometimes. (laughs) Uh, I um, have my ordinary job as, well, I work in healthcare. I do, well, I write articles, uh, journalist, gaming, and also... Uh, martial art so i write for two two uh, web pages uh, and a family two kids wife i train and i don't know how i manage it but somehow i do it <laughs> so but i think um, it's been said about a few of, a of you here too you need to focus on one thing at a time you can't have everything in your head all the time because then we got it it just get too much and my I have always been a person who likes to do well have many many things on my plate all the time and in a way I think how I handle stress I just uh, focus on one uh, thing at at a time and um, uh, I put away things I can't um, well affect at, at the moment if I have a thing at the job I don't Well, I can't do anything about today, but I know I can do about tomorrow. I will put it on until tomorrow and not uh, think about it so much today. But uh, when I started (laughs) training, it was after we got our first kid and I needed to find something so I didn't end up on the couch being fat. (laughs) (laughs) And that was my um, way into Jiu Jitsu. And uh, my goal was like, okay, well, I I, I maybe can get a blue belt before I retire. Would be fun, <laughs> and you all know how that goes. You get on the mat and you get kind of obsessed with it, so yeah. here I am. <laughs> but it's also uh, a place where I can go and decompress too. I mean, yeah. I go there when I have a bad day and I can beat up someone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, no, but um, yeah. You have a bad day, and you go there and meet all the people on the mat and spar or do whatever, and you just feel fine. So, it's a big thing to have too, and it helps a lot.
1: Good. good. But I, I also, when you mentioned you know sitting on the couch getting fat, I was like, well, hey man, I'm still doing jujitsu and doing that. Yeah. So <laughs> like, oh, relax. <laughs> um, I think I relax a little too much, though. COVID.
6: Cool. That's all. <laughs>
1: Um, all right, so I'm going to hand it over to my wonderful co-host. Uh, she has a very, very good question here. We pass it right on over to you, Miss Tiana.
2: So, hi everyone. I'm going to direct this specifically towards Alex first because I know you're a very active competitor. What would you say separates you from other competitors in your division?
5: i pretty much. I, I I don't think I'm I'm special in terms of you know. Other competitors but what I do pride myself on is uh, my mentality and I feel like I've worked a lot of on that since um, and I've had support in uh, even with professionals about like the competition mindset and stuff at a very young age probably when I was like late high school going into college I was fortunate enough to have certain sponsors that were elite athletes in their field of work and uh, and i just got to spend time with them pick their brain and listen and take in what it's like to be an elite athlete and what it takes and so i feel like when i step on the mats i don't think anybody could beat me and it took some time in terms of like as as i was competing and um through like I've been a competitor. I've been doing jujitsu for 12, 13 years. And I've been competitive mm-hmm. since the first month of jujitsu. <laughs> At 11 years old, I started competing and I never stopped. Wow. And so, um, of course, I think it, it the similar thing goes through everyone's mind when they're competing. At some point, if you're, like, losing or you're not in a great position, you're, like, oh, it, like, there's that thought in your head, like, oh, I might lose. Or, like, oh, I could just, like, give up now and I feel like for me what's changed a lot is that um and it's harder like even more recently that 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 used to still happen but I've been able to like push out those thoughts of ever losing and it doesn't matter if I'm going against maybe even like an Olympian or something or whoever but it's just in my head when I step on the mats it's just like I'm gonna I'm gonna win no matter what. I'm gonna beat you and, and you know, I'm gonna get the job done. So I feel like um, my mentality above all, I mean, I feel like it's always every professional athlete to work uh, to work as much as you can. and it makes me feel guilty on other days if, I, if I'm like not training or like oh maybe I had a little bit of an injury. I'm I'm nursing it, um, but it still it like eats at me. Sometimes I'm like, oh, what if someone's working out there working harder than me? And it's it like eats at me, and I'm just like, and so and I know it, it like happens with everyone that that you know that you're always I'm always competing with myself, and and it works yeah. out like I have people in the gym that push me. I mean, uh, Faye, my partner, she's also a competitor. So everything is a competition <laughs> with us. Even like, <laughs> so, even something that's not jujitsu ju- ju- related, like eating and stuff. Everything is a competition. And I feel like in and, and a lot of ways we make it into a game and it's funny, but I can definitely say like sometimes I'm like, okay, this is too much c- competition all the time. But, but we always find a way to – uh, make it like lighthearted and fun so keeping everything light and fun is, is a big thing for me but it's all I think when you get to the highest levels everyone's technique is on point um yeah it's the mindset that separates the very top from the ones that are just talented and also put in hard work
2: yeah, I think that's a really important point about mindset. I too have a sports psychologist because I've come back yeah, from two ACL um, reconstructions. Yeah. But yeah. just generally, generally what you said about mentality, that's what separates you, definitely. Yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: And for every for everybody else, what mm-hmm. would you say has been the biggest shift in your mindset as you've progressed through the ranks in jiu-jitsu? Um, I
3: think for me, the biggest thing has been letting go of worrying about other people's yep. rank, you know, because like when you're a white belt and you're first starting out and, oh, it's promotion or they're doing stripes, you're like ultimately thinking, oh, well, why didn't I get one? Or da, da, da. And I think just being able to let go of that, at least for me personally, actually helped me be more secure in my personal journey you know like yeah. yeah okay I'm a blue belt I used to compete a lot now I compete when I can but I have a lot more variables like a babysitter or you know because we own a studio a lot of times our students are competing so okay I'm kind of on my own so you know but just like not trusting about other people's journey. And just realizing the things that are important in your personal jiu journey
4: i actually had the same mm-hmm. thing um, i think the epiphany around blue belt i think um, you start to comparing to the others or the, or, the, or the person next to you and i am mm-hmm. might be the oldest in my gym i think we're two or three about the same age but uh, you have younger younger people that are in in the same age of Alex for example and mm-hmm. they are beating your ass I mean even if i have a brown, brown belt and you have a blue belt who has th- th- that age like you you will get your ass beat so and there was a time when I was thinking okay I need to stop worrying about everyone else I need to focus what I can do and what my goal is so I started to think like this if I'm going in to practice and I'm better and I'm leaving the pra- practice better than the last practice mm-hmm. for myself. Then I have succeeded yeah. with my goals. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter if I have submitted everyone on the mat or if I have been submitted 30 times. It, But uh, I always go in with some goals, in, 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 always in sparring too. I, I can go in with goals in sparring and like, okay, I will shoot for at least one triangle on each one of the, person on the mat which I will meet and if I succeed with that gold I will be happy about it uh, when I go from the mat even if I get submitted certain times so yeah. yeah and it made me a lot happier and when I started to focus on myself and that's what I say to all the white belts when I instruct <laughs> you right focus on yourself and do not compare yourself so much to the others uh, yeah. it will just hold to you
2: yeah as Paige said as well it's a very personal journey um yeah. Zach,
0: how has your mindset changed? Uh, So I think it's a super interesting question, something I've spent a lot of time on thinking, not just about myself, but about just the community in general. Um, I almost quit at Blue Belt because I felt like I would never get there. You know, and like defining what there is, is is part of the problem. Where What is there? But I remember um, at some point, maybe one or two stripes in a Blue Belt, um, I remember thinking back to... When I was a white belt and seeing and this is the first time this is like nine years ago two black belts rolling in the gym for the first time i'd never seen two black belts actually rolling with each other and i couldn't believe the the grace and the skill and this constant motion just like like two otters rolling with each other you know just uh and i remember thinking to myself as a white belt wow like that that could never be me but i enjoy it now so i'm gonna keep doing it and then somewhere like halfway through my blue belt journey, I was like, I'm still not there. And I feel like I'm no closer to that now than I was back then. And I realized like, I'm spending all this time and I'm not like, I'm not there and I don't feel like I'm getting there. And I remember going home and just thinking like, is this really like for me? And, and, you know, being pretty depressed about it, being down and then still just not letting myself quit Like, I've enjoyed it for, what is it now, three or four years. Why would I just stop going now because I'm not at an elite level? Um, So I started treating it as sort of, um, instead of trying to be in the NBA, just going for the pickup games, you know, under the overpass. Like, just go have a good time with it, being scrappy, whatever, and not not caring about those ultra high-level stuff. And when I started doing that, Uh, I realized like why I was doing it in the first place and it wasn't it wasn't to be an elite level it was to challenge myself and when I started letting go of that pressure I really started seeing Mm -hmm. myself improve a lot more like I could I could let go I, I had this iron grip on what I was trying to do and when I let it go it actually became much easier you know like I opened up when I was rolling became a lot more fluid if a white belt tapped me like so what like I was, in the, I was in the laboratory anyway. I'm experimenting. You know, that's what's supposed to happen. You experiment and you have to fail to know what works. And and somewhere in there, in that shift, I realized, like, really why I was doing it. And I think that that's where a lot of blue belts end up quitting is they, they don't have that moment. They, don't, they realize, oh, I'm starting to get a little bit older. I'm getting a little bit hurt. I wake up sore in the morning. You know, this just isn't worth it. I'm never going to be elite level, so I'm going to go find a different, you know, whatever that, New passion is and and I hope they find it. But for me, I realized the passion was jujitsu the whole time.
3: I think it,
6: it has to do with.
0: Me. A, oops, sorry, <laughs> I was going
3: to say I think it has a lot to do too with like the culture of the people you surround yourself at your gym. You know, I'm in a lot of different forums and I'll hear people that they just post the craziest things that their coaches have said or done and all this, and I'm like, you need to be somewhere where people are encouraging your personal journey. You know, like it is your own journey, but you're also still part of a team, but finding where you all fit together, I think, so I feel like a lot of people get to that blue belt point, and if they aren't in a school where it's like a family, or they haven't created relationships with other people, maybe they feel a little lost, you know, or like Zach was saying, you have this tight grip on something, and if you don't jump into it more than just coming to your classes a few days a week and then going home and not creating relationships like i think people just get burned out and they move on
4: yeah Uh, i i also think uh, with (laughs) jiu-jitsu i used to say this also to my students it's like it's a sport or a or martial art you always feel your shit at i mean you (laughs) never feel good Uh, i didn't feel good when i was white belt and i don't feel good now when i'm when I'm a brown, brown belt. And I think it's because you always train with the same kind of people and they are progressing at the same level. So the person who beats you when you're white belt will probably beat you when you're a black belt too. <laughs> uh, but what you will notice is when you go to another gym or, or train or uh, or be a guest, then you m- might actually f- feel like, okay, well, I actually know mm-hmm. some stuff. Or mm-hmm. as when I started to... Uh, to uh, to instruct and a students myself I feel like well I actually know stuff so yeah but just the feeling that you never feel good about it <laughs> good, <laughs> good about the it, Jutsu uh, is pretty yeah
2: okay interesting okay Jake I'll hand back to you
4: yeah
1: I, I, just to speak to Zach's point and really like kind of overall with uh, what Paige was saying as well I've kind of felt that in recent months that that weird feeling of that journey being uh, trying to understand now this is my journey and I have to
6: mm-hmm.
1: you know now embrace this and, and stop looking at the rest of the team as like well they're doing this and they're doing that and realize this is just me yeah. so thank you guys for for, for your answers at actually really helped me so that not only is this a podcast but it's also therapy for me so
4: thank you for (laughs) us all i think right
6: yeah Yeah. (laughs) jujitsu
1: therapy (laughs) Um, so i'm gonna ask uh um johan this question here because you're you're coming to us all the way from the beautiful land of sweden and you know always conversing with you and you know I, i wonder you know what's the jiu jitsu scene like for you there in Sweden? Like, are there like other gyms nearby? Do you cross cross train um, with any other gyms, or uh, just what's that like for you in that community?
4: Uh, yeah, I, I've actually thought about this myself when I talk about it a lot with my uh, my friends too. Um, I think the Swedish jiu jitsu community are very close. I mean, the gyms we are not really competitors well we are because when you we meet each other at the at the competitions but uh, there are a lot of cross trains and yes uh, guest, guesting to other gyms and there's no problem really I think um, when you look at uh, things in other places uh, there seem to be more we don't see it as much as them versus us I think even if we are competing it's okay to go to another gym and train on Sunday, or uh, no no one in my gym would, would say anything about it. It's more like, okay, fine, well, did, did they learn, learn something new? So, and it's the same when you are trying to get people here to do seminars and stuff. Uh, it doesn't matter for which school they come. Uh, we are always happy. But that might be also because we're living in Sweden. So <laughs> if we can get some high level um, uh, BDA pra- pra- practitioner here, everyone will be happy. And we need to also get around it so they can get paid because, <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. pretty expensive.
1: That's true. <laughs> and I was also wondering this because sometimes maybe I, I kind of just blind myself to. A lot of comments and things online because you trained uh, Gracie Baja, um, yep, is your uh, club. And anytime I put up a post, like I think uh Mario Lopez AC Slater from uh yep. Save by the Bell mm-hmm. just competed and he trains uh Gracie Baja, and you know, everyone started ch- chirping in um, you know, it's uh Gracie Baja propaganda film and whatnot. Yep. Uh, it, it was, at, at some other points, I started getting that weird impression, like, dude, does Gracie Baja, not cross-trained. So that's also part of why I was wanting to know, like, what's it like out there cross-training-wise for you all? Is it just kind of like, hey, we're here, we're going to isolate ourselves, or is it the <laughs> tight community?
4: Yeah. So. The thing is, we are Gracie Baja, I and mean, I'm I'm proud of it, but uh, we kind of do our thing here in Sweden ourselves. Um, Sports here are kind of different than other countries. Um, I think I explained this to you, before Dante, um, we are, we can't live off. Well, you, you, it, it would be really hard for me to, to start a gym here and, uh, well, get paid and, uh, have this as as, uh, as my work because, uh, the Swedish government actually put in money. So the kids are supposed to do stuff, go to football, go to martial art, go to, yeah, whatever. So our sport culture are to well not make money, and this kind of clashes a little with uh, Grace Baja, I think, because when I talk to talk to other coaches from coaches from other countries, they are more like, well, why don't, don't you make money? Of your, well, I, I I teach and I don't make money, but that's how it is. It's uh, so, yeah. Okay. And that's why we also have to do a th- things a, a bit different. We can't. Uh, and I think also that's why we, uh, yeah, cr- well, c- cross train and or uh, and well train train together and stuff like that. So, and here in Umio we like hundred thousand habitants, I think. So we have, well, quite a lot yet y- gyms for that. <laughs> when I think about it, I think we have uh, five uh, gyms here. Train. one oh. of them are all stars which uh, also have had three or four ufc fighters so that's uh, kind of interesting
1: hey, i didn't realize you had that many gyms like nearby i don't know why in my head i was just saying like i oh, probably got like a gym and a half it was just, it was <laughs> not a lot of gyms over there it's like uh, like oh okay cool. never mind sorry just, <laughs> yeah everyone.
4: Yeah, but I think Umeå is kind of different there too. We we have a lot of, uh, we have a sport culture. It's a student's city. so, And uh, I'm um, born here now, and I know that we always had martial arts, uh, nearly every type of traditional martial arts. So it's kind of a thing here. If you go to another small city up here, I think they might have one gym or two if they're lucky.
1: And just so you know, my wife and I, we've been talking about traveling at some point. And when I told her about um, Umiya, she was like, oh, we got to go there. I was like, hey, I got people there. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I, I'm packing my gear. I'm not. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's beautiful. That's that's great. I just want to go there and train with my friends. That's all.
6: Um,
1: and um, I'm going to hand this back over to uh, Tiana.
2: Yeah, that's a really interesting response you gave, um, Johan, about the, the BJJ scene and the culture in Sweden. For everybody else, I'd be really interested to know what aspect or what aspects of BJJ culture you would like to change. It doesn't necessarily have to be where you are situated, where you live, where you train. But with what you've read, your experiences, what aspect or aspects of BJ, the BJJ culture would you like to change? if you could
5: I think the the biggest thing that you see um that most jujitsu communities maybe trouble with and it's not just to say for jiu-jitsu only I've seen this at like every sport but like the politics of it all and that goes back to like you know some gyms allow cross training some gyms don't um it just kind of depends on um, you know, the instructor or uh, how whatever gym you're at, like how their, their upbringing, I guess, and their culture that they've been around, you know, whatever point of view they were raised with um, through their jiu uh career. And I've, I've, I've seen it all. Uh, I've seen a lot of different cultures and like, you know, the ones that thrive, the ones that um, stop themselves from being... A more a successful gym, um, and so I'd say probably yeah the the whole politics of you know cross training or just you know or like leaving certain gyms to go to like the whole creance uh, <laughs> the the whole thing of that and and it's uh, with jiu jitsu growing and more more Americans doing it I've. Not to say that it's just only Americans doing it, but I've seen other Brazilians that are, have been open to cross training and all that. But uh, I think it's being more uh, it's spread Jiu Jitsu spreading faster. It's being more uh, accepted that it's okay to cross train, and it doesn't mean that you're you're a creonte or that you're leaving a gym or that your loyalties aren't you know like everywhere just because someone might like to cross-trainer so yeah.
3: yeah i to piggyback a little bit on what she said i think like changing that is great but i also feel like it is starting to change like mm-hmm. i can see i mean and for those of you that don't know alex is actually um we do private lessons and we're not on the same team at all mm-hmm. and traders <laughs> 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 Dude. <laughs> he's good, y'all. There's a little plug in for Alex. But <laughs> I, you know, years and years ago, when my husband talks about what he used to be with like him and how they all started, you know, way back when, um he's like, that would not have been a thing that you like pay an instructor from somewhere else, but you're still competing on a different team. But I feel like now, we're starting to understand that like hey if we want this sport to grow Mm -hmm. as a whole we have to all support one another yeah you know Mm -hmm. and i think um also too i think it helps a little bit that more women are getting into the sport because I yeah. think that naturally women, because there are so few of us in the sport, you know, we find each other and like all of the ladies on Alex's team have been so nice to me. And like, we all follow each other now and we'll message about things that are going <laughs> on and connect. But I think that that helps if you also yeah. en- embrace like into the whole jujitsu culture. Like, you dive in hard. I think that also helps with your journey. You know, we were talking earlier about people that stop at blue belt because they just don't get where they want to. I think if you don't immerse in it and see the things that need to change or try to help the sport progress in general, you know, you don't really have much invested interest in it, I guess. Um, yeah. I think my big thing that I would hope to change and if you follow my instagram page for even two seconds you know i'm all about like body positivity and different people of any walk of life feeling like they can come in on the mats and try sport. you know i wish that there was more um i don't want to say fair but i wish that it was even across the board from male and females competing in the sport if that makes sense just from the experience as a female competing the weight class options to having other available women to have matches against because there's not a lot of females in the sport but I feel like it's a vicious cycle you know like there's not the weight classes so then the people don't compete but if we had the weight classes maybe they would you know just like I wish that jujitsu would kind of embrace women a little more and that's not to say that I don't see that it is it definitely is starting to get there but I think there's there's a lot of organizations that still could do a little bit of a better yeah, job yeah. to include women on their, you know, I know you guys yeah. have all seen the stuff, to have women on their boards or as part of their management team instead of just, oh, we're going to offer a women's class and we're going to let that one female black belt teach it and then we've done our part, you know? But so that's my big thing that I wish jujitsu would change.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was actually coming to that too. Yeah. Um. The thing about females and females who, who train because that can be well they are changing and actually here in sweden we have a big thing now that we try to well talk about this and uh, yeah make a big thing about getting females on, on the mat yeah. and make them feel com- comfortable with it yeah and mm-hmm. also if they are uh, yeah are treated bad on the mat they are yeah, I think it's the culture, you know?
3: It. Yeah, Yeah, to, to start talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that too, you know, not to get on like some big feminist soapbox or anything, but I think that, and Jake and um, Zach, you guys do an awesome job on your large platforms mm-hmm. to like promote women in the sport. Like, don't make it a weird thing. You know, like yeah. you see all yeah. the weird like sexist memes or the, the creepers that make comments mm-hmm. on female pages and stuff. Like, I think that we need more men to stand up for that behavior to not happen so that when those new females come in, there's like not any sort of awkwardness. It's just Jitsu is a close sport and awkward things might happen and we all just keep moving. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's where it needs to change from like people that maybe have like third grader mentality.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I totally agree. the, there are a few things that, um, from my point of view, that, that took some notes here while you guys were talking. Um, I guess four main points for me that I would change in jiu-jitsu, and a lot of them are actually kind of related to each other, but uh, the first one is money literacy. Um, there's no money in the sport unless you're super high level and unless you can have, like, instructions or something. So helping people to understand, like, the money aspect of the game and, like, how can you really leverage your account uh, whether it's social media, whether it's like whatever, to actually make money so that you can dedicate yourself full time. I think until there's more people that can dedicate themselves full time to training that you're not going to get the true innovation. And I think that's why like right now. Pedago is so hot because they have, uh, you know, people spending their entire lives like living in the gym and they're training full time mm-hmm. and, and they have zero money. But you know what? They are fully committed. And I think you're going to see a lot of like really cool innovations in the sport come out of because of that. And I would love to to get to the point where people that want to invest full time in it can also understand money and not have to live, you know, without some, some basic comforts or healthcare, that kind of thing. Um, I think that that is one of the reasons why the sport evolved from Brazil and came out is uh, just the number of people that are willing to like, live in the gym and grind it out day after day. And then, you know, 10 years after doing that, they come out and are absolute monsters. Um, and if, if they were able to do that with a little bit more money and comforts, I think you'd get some different minds and bodies that would come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of the problem with the way that the sport came out of Brazil in the first place though, is it created this, there's a right way to do something. There's a right way to teach and a right way to learn. Um, and I, I think that's uh, an issue with my jujitsu was I was taught the way that my coach was taught and that's not how my mind works. And I spent, I spent multiple years learning in a way that didn't make sense to me. It it really like held me back. And it wasn't until I learned that there were different ways to learn that I started getting better. Yeah. I think that if Mm -hmm. there was more money literacy in the sport, I think that if there was uh, a better access to these resources and it's getting better, Mm -hmm. that I would be a very different athlete than now than what I was before. Um, so I'm glad to see some of these changes are, are happening. Um, I had The third point, which is the uh, being more inclusive. So Paige already talked about that and, and I'm really glad to see that there's a culture shift. It's, it's slower than it needs to be, but at least there are some changes that are happening and, and I'm happy to, um, you know, my account, I really wanna be inclusive. I wanna make sure that I'm not like accidentally stepping on toes or, or consciously stepping on toes to tell somebody that they're not good enough to train, regardless of their background, regardless of their gender, race, whatever. And that's been really important to me from the beginning. And I really hope that uh, that continues to echo out through time because I think you're only gonna get to the super high level of jujitsu if you have different kinds of people that are doing it, different body types, different genders, different economic backgrounds. Like It's just not gonna happen unless we encourage everyone to get into that tank and start evolving. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, totally. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Uh, it's interesting too because uh, I talked about the state helping us train here and I just thought about it now because it's one thing uh, we actually have a program now which help which are helping well the Sweden's martial art board are helping pregnant women well, pro athletes in BDA to get back to the mat after they oh that's got, awesome got that's show. incredible yeah and that's a big thing right now so yeah, I hope uh, more countries can do this because it's a very taxing thing. That's on your so bodies.
3: great. Yeah, I think, too, once we get more women involved, I think my biggest thing that still baffles me when women are shocked, at like, wait, you're a mom and you do jujitsu and you enjoy it. Like, y- yes, you can't wait for the perfect opportunity to be like in the best shape and the best everything to then go try jujitsu. I mean, I come from um, a school where we really, really put a lot of focus on self-defense. So anytime someone even mentions that to me, I'm like, someone attacking you doesn't care if you're fat. They don't care if you're
6: skinny.
3: (laughs) They don't care what color you are. They're going Mm -hmm. to attack you. Mm -hmm. And chances Mm -hmm. are, if you are all of those things, they're probably going to more likely Mm -hmm. attack you. Like, I mean... Alex over here could like strangle anyone. She lives and breathes jujitsu. I mean, you just look at her and I would not want to. Try like her. But I'm like walking with my homely mom's sweater and my kid, like they're probably going to target someone like me. So I just wish that there were more people um, that understood that. Like, I feel like so many people talk about, well, maybe I'll try it when I'm in better shape or like, I don't know my schedule or, you know, whatever. I just feel like it's one of those things that like, there's not going to be a perfect time. And also yeah. what yeah. Zach said about, we need more people involved in it. I think the sport will grow more, the more people that become passionate about it, at their different levels. You know what I mean? Like I'm, not a world athlete, but I really love it. And it's like, we live and breathe jujitsu on our house, but that doesn't mean I have to be a world-class athlete. I can just really be passionate about it. And I think that people don't understand that they see it as like a big scary thing. Like, Oh, you have to be really good to try to do that. Or you have to be like competing all the time we kind of need more hobbyists in the sport because those are the people that fund it and keep it going because they're hobbyists and they have day jobs with money to fund the sport, you know, like we need more of those people. Mm.
2: <laughs> no, some really, really good points there from everyone. Really, really interesting as well. But I think, as you said, Paige, the change is starting to happen, but there is a way to go. What's happening in Sweden. I mean, that's incredible. Getting pregnant yeah, women so back, awesome. on, back on the mats and, you know, after having a baby, I've, I've not come across that anywhere. So I think that's a really, really important stepping stone and Zach, the points you mentioned, all really valid as well. All really good points. So I will hand back to Jake. All
1: right. So Zach, I know with COVID and everything, it's, it's kind of wrecked havoc on everyone's lives, training and everything. Uh, I know you've recently, you know, started with a new gym. I guess what I want to ask you with kind of getting back to the mats and, you know, you know, getting with the new gym, what are you currently, you know, kind of focusing on in returning to training and, and just kind of getting, getting your feet back on the ground? Uh, yeah,
0: so that seems to change week to week, but the, uh, the biggest overall thing that I've learned about my jujitsu was it's a little bit on the lazy side. Coming back from COVID, that's not really compatible. Uh, I was lazy for you know too long, waiting for the world to clear up, and uh, you know I came back and tried my same lazy style, but I was also like out of shape, and it it's not compatible. Uh, I was getting just blown by by everyone, and um, you know just getting not just my work ethic and fitness up, but also like the mentality of okay, I can't just sit around here. I can't I can't just flow roll. Every single role. It's not, I'm, I'm not at that level anymore where it's okay. You know, I've got to start pushing the pace a little bit. I've got to start being more aggressive with my guard passing, being more comfortable on my feet. So uh, it was an opportunity for me to really think about who I wanted to be as a grappler and to start pursuing some of those more, um I don't know, exciting while also being fundamental aspects of jiu jitsu, you know, starting from standing, which I didn't really do a whole lot before. How can I push the pace? How can I get someone to the ground? And instead of just taking a deep breath, I keep going. Okay, I got into the ground, but now you know, secure the position, uh, climb the position. Don't let them have a moment to be lazy. And that's kind of the big thing that, that I've been working through. And I don't know if that's normal from pandemic, if that's normal from just like a purple belt progression or what, but just really like taking a good hard look at everything I've done so far and deciding, is that the right way? Or do I need to fundamentally shift what I'm doing? And it's been rewarding and frustrating at the same time.
4: I actually think that's the purple way of doing things. That's what I remember I was doing the same thing. I was like, okay, now I need to look at my toolbox. What do I need? What do work what works? What do not work? And starting to make a smaller box on it and use what I can, what I can use. So I think you're actually in the, even in pandemic or not, I think you're doing the right thing.
1: Yeah. Take a hell of a time to do it.
4: Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> time is everything.
0: Yeah. Alex, I'd like to hear a little bit about your journey on, on jujitsu and to black belt, you know, is it, was that a fairly normal progression for you as well?
5: Yeah. I think mine was like very, straightforward and I think because I started so young it's like what else do you do well like when you when your parents just take you to practice or even my coaches would take me to practice I really enjoyed it luckily I never I never really burned out because I just really liked doing it so it was never something forced on me and I felt like I always had fun doing jiu-jitsu because I was just naturally good at it from the beginning it just made sense mm-hmm. to me and it also helped that when I was like eleven, I'm like the same size as I am now. I like <laughs> five five, but just like a hundred pounds. I like was smaller in weight, but like five five. So everyone I fought was like like a foot smaller than me, and I would just like bear hug them <laughs> to the ground. I'm like so much fun beating up all people. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd say if anything, the. Well, I started when I was 11. By the time I was 14 and got into high school, I, I started wrestling because I had a feeling like uh, I wanted to get better at takedowns. I wanted to be like a very um, complete grappler. Um, and especially at that time, like takedowns weren't really big for a lot of jujitsu people. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get really good. So that by the time I'm like done wrestling or afterwards or later down the road at at black belt or brown belt that it will really pay off. And it did, but it was so uh, humbling to go to another sport. And I had, and especially when I wrestled in high school, there wasn't a girls team. So I was just on the guys team, but luckily my, my coach, coach St. James at the time was, he was, he was, he was very well known in Georgia wrestling. And uh, he actually, was one of the first Team Georgia girls coaches back then. So he was always super supportive. I think I was really fortunate like throughout my career. I've always had very supportive coaches and I haven't really had any uh, unfortunate uh, situations where it like would have troubled me. And so um went to wrestling, got my butt kicked. By all the boys and it was crazy because I went from starting jiu-jitsu and I was just naturally good at it I was beating everyone and then all of a sudden I would start losing uh everything I had like uh I learned about you know cutting weight the wrong all the wrong ways I think everything I did uh throughout um my jiu-jitsu career I like learned how to do everything wrong and then and then I was like okay maybe I should eat food when i cut weight instead of just starving myself <laughs> or, or i need to do active recovery i need to do mobility i can't just like sleep all day and like all the things that young athletes you know kind of like the learning process of that and it, it helped me a lot over the years but it was difficult to rat to switch over to wrestling it was very humbling for me and i think Apart from what Tiana asked uh, earlier about the what separates athletes or what separates me from other athletes is that um, other than mindset is like I I pride myself on being very humble and not having an ego mm-hmm. and I think so that just keeping that um, that idea um, growing growing up like really helped me not get too held up on on like someone that was like a lower belt tapping me or getting beat up by the boys or something I wasn't giving myself excuses and stuff I wasn't like oh it's okay if I get beat up by a guy because they're a guy I like didn't understand that when I was like 12 years old 14 I was like guys have puberty and like they get stronger than (laughs) you and there was a transition when I know it was like me and like a group of other boys that were my age going um, going through the ranks at uh, in uh, jujitsu. And I think that's what made us really competitive as kids is because I had a really good group of training partners around my same size. But by the time we were like 14, 15, they started hitting puberty. And I was like, why are you getting so strong? And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, because I, I was the big one. I, they were like tiny compared to me. And then all of a sudden they started hitting puberty, and I was like, "What the heck is going on?" <laughs> and, then, and then my coach Steve had to had a talk to me like, "Listen, guys are gonna be smart," and I was like, "No, no, this is not- <laughs> and that, that acceptance thing as a teenager was really uh, or a preteen was really funny, um, and uh, but keeping that and then go and actually even seeing it now the home the idea of being very humble and not having any ego, keeping that throughout the years has definitely helped me, I feel like, progress faster. Because yeah, I've always, like, I've never let the idea of any, anything, for me, my mindset is that it doesn't matter. If something is going to, any any anything, any idea, concept, or attitude, if it hinders me from getting better, then... I'm going to drop it immediately. So like having an ego or like even in the smallest thing, like doesn't matter if a white belt taps me or a blue belt taps me or it's just like, oh, I'll ask him right away. It's like, what was that? Or like, how did you do that? Like, or um, like even when I'm teaching and I see this even with Bruno Forzado, he's like a legend in the sport, but he's so humble. He'll even ask if he know, like if he knows someone's, we have a blue belt or Jim, is, uh, and he's like a teenager. But all he does is watch Mikey Musumachi videos all day, and so mm-hmm. he's, he's just like deep in the jujitsu sauce, and and he loves barambolos and everything. And Bruno will be teaching something, and out of his out of Bruno's knowledge, he'll also even ask the the blue bell is is there anything you can add? And that like really blew away my mind. Like the first time, I was like, mm. "You're you're Bruno," like. <laughs> and, but he had that same mentality of like being so humble. He's always open to learning from other people. Doesn't matter if you're a white belt, but if he knows like you have a like, uh, well, really great wrestling background, he's open to like stepping down and like asking other people. Uh, questions or like confirmation like oh is this right and stuff and I I, it was great seeing that even from someone that is now my coach and that someone that I look up to and I'm like okay like this is the steps this is this should be the attitude you have so that you can keep progressing you don't have to end up like peaking so you could always find those small progressions and stuff to keep you motivated to keep going
2: that is really yeah. refreshing to yeah. hear it, sound, it very much sounds alex that you have a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset and you're always yeah. open to learning but to hear that your coach yeah. will speak yeah. to ask a blue belt if they have anything to add that that we need to see more of definitely yeah, for sure yeah yeah
4: we, we pride ourselves at our gym with that too i for example now have a have a white belt well a, new, a beginner who is has been uh, doing Greco-Roman wrestling, oh, yeah. and that freaking guy he had my back, and his <laughs> brother, I I don't know, man. <laughs> so, and you need to uh, well, oh, everyone will come into the practice or start mm-hmm. with uh, some skills or yeah. non-skills, but uh, uh, a white belt. Well, they cannot be wrestled for twenty years. You you don't know, mm-hmm. and <laughs> you always need to know well. So everyone has have, have something to learn You,
3: mm. I think it's I think. great to see the shift of people communicating outside of their own gyms, but mm-hmm. still having allegiance to their team and stuff. You know, I feel like years ago, it was either don't cross train, or if someone did go to another gym, it was because they would eventually leave and now they're gonna go train there. But now I feel like it's a lot more open and I think too, you know, like Alex was talking about Bruno, he's such a cool guy. And Alex as well. Um, you know, we're pretty close proximity. And my husband and I own a very small gym. And, you know, we came to see Alex get her black belt. And Bruno was like, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. And he's like, gives me a hug. And I was like, Oh, okay, oh, you're a cool guy. You know, like I think it's cool because I from years ago would not have expected that, or even to have been yeah. invited to another team's ceremony of, you know, Alex getting her black belt, and, and that sort of thing. I think that that's where the shift is starting to happen. And I think it's so great that there's so many high level people like Alex and Bruno. Um, you know, and like Johan, you were saying up there in Sweden that you guys will cross train and stuff. I think that that's what we need more of, more high level people opening up their minds and their gyms and everything to just you know like I'm seeing more people that are like oh it's an open mat just come but not you know the old mindset of like it's open mat but people only go so that they can smash the other team and then leave like anytime I've gone to stuff at Alex's you know all the teammates are so nice and then we'll connect and like I hosted a ladies thing and, um, I was the only person, well, mostly cause I'm the only female at my gym. Um, oh my but they were all other females and like other teams and we trained and I mean, I don't, Alex, I don't think anyone at any point was like, I'm going to smash this person. Yeah. And then we all went out for drinks after, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we need more of that.
0: Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Yeah. I feel like, uh, a lot of gym owners have this like this fence around their area and they think, Oh, I I can't handle more competition. A new gym comes in as competition, but um, I've I've been in several different cities training several different gyms. And it seems like adding a new gym to the area, it's like adding a fish to a pond. Like it doesn't actually make the pond smaller.
6: Mm -hmm. It actually
0: makes the pond bigger. Like it allows you to support more and more fish in the pond, the more you add. So if you really want like Mm -hmm. your gym to grow, there's only so many people you can attract, but if you can yeah. bring other gyms to the area, allow people to go there, give people a choice, it becomes yeah. more mainstream. More and more people start hearing about jujitsu and then they go find, you know, the one that fits them. There's no, there's yeah. no perfect gym for someone. Like there's no umbrella gym that fits everyone. So the more just, different kinds of gyms you have, the, the easier it is to like bring people into different areas.
3: I was just thinking that it's so great that you said that. Like um we've had s- people you know that they're not students but they'll come and they'll try a class and you know once we talk to them i mean we there's been times where like listen we're not like an uber competitive school autos down the road like if you're looking to compete hard or (laughs) hey there's you know another school down here like you know so i feel like it helps if we all communicate to learn the other one's culture because then we could help each other out more you know instead of like you said everyone having a fence around like This is just my jujitsu bubble. And if you walk in, like, you're never allowed to leave. I think that's how we're going to end up having people in the sport long term. If someone starts for self-defense and then they like it and maybe they decide they do want to compete and they move to another gym that's more competitive because that's what they need, I think that should be celebrated because, great, it's the longevity of our sport, you know, like, fantastic, keep going, keep in touch, you know, connect. I wish more people had that mindset.
2: Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Zach, you mentioned that you nearly quit at blue belt because but you true, did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it must. I'm, <laughs> I imagine it must have felt great to progress to purple.
0: Yeah, it's scary, but yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And Paige, you also mentioned that um, for you, part of the reason that you that a gym is successful is that the students feel at home there. They feel welcomed, mm-hmm. be- bad behaviours called out, etc. Mm-hmm. Alex, you're obviously right at the top and Johan, you're a brown belt as well. Something I'd like to ask all of you, is there ever, I know, um, Zach, you, you've kind of answered this, but has there ever been another belt you felt like quitting at, where you just thought, I can't do this, or I, I don't want to do it. I know for Zach, for you, it was blue. Mm. Um, what about everyone else?
4: It's funny because it, at our gym, we quit the brown belt. <laughs> 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 the blue belt st- stays, but the brown belt quits. I'm the only brown belt left in our gym right now. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. Wow. so my coach was kind of like, okay, I will give you the brown belt, but you have to promise me to not quit. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, but uh, for me, no, Uh, I heard about uh, people quitting at Blue Belt and I could maybe feel it a bit because uh, it's a, you move up there and you are kind of in a a step where it it feels like nothing is happening, but I just kept going and... uh, for me, it was more like okay, well, I need to exercise and I need to, but I just wanted to train. So for me, it wasn't about progress, and and also my goal was blue belt. So I was like, okay, well, I can can I keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so why the heck not? Um, I think you, are Oh yeah, go Alex. Um, uh,
5: well, for me, jujitsu was always a constant. I know it's always been like an ongoing thing. It's just like. You know when people get their blue belt they quit or you never see them again like finally get it and then it's like and i think blue belt is probably the, the probably the largest hump to get over is like once you get your blue belt and if you stick with it if you s- decide to stick with it you're eventually going to get your black belt no matter how long it takes sometimes it takes people uh the average time i think it takes to get a black belt is 10 years and then of course plus or minus for all the factors for different people it took me like 11 years but also because I went through the kids system um so just the age thing as well I went through all the kids belt before they had before the gray belt even existed so it just went white yellow orange and green uh but for me uh personally um jujitsu was like always a constant for me it was always like the fun thing I like to do so I've seen and I've been like I've had teammates of all ages um, and so and backgrounds so I've seen all the different like uh, pathways and struggles and seeing all the different things come up in life but uh, for me jiu-jitsu was always like my fallback and constant in life and I kind of always uh, molded everything in my life so that I can do jiu-jitsu full-time like um, even like when I went to, I would go, even when I went to college full time, I was still doing jujitsu full time and then working at a restaurant part time. Like wow. I I was, I mean, I was always good at multitasking. I think I get it, get it, get it from my mom. <laughs> my mom was uh, in the Philippines. She was, um, worked for the governor and stuff. And she was just like one of those boss ladies and stuff. And I was able to, I guess, inherit that. Like multitasking never felt, never felt too overwhelming for me, but I think it made me manage my time a lot better, mm-hmm. especially when I was in school. Like my parents never even pushed me to get good grades. I just wanted to get good grades, and I think they sent me up with like uh, tutors when I was in pre-K and kindergarten while we were in the Philippines, and I think that like helped jumpstart my education and ability to learn I guess and uh school was always easy for me so it wasn't an issue like the multitasking and school it, like doing jujitsu full-time and then working it almost felt nice for me to do something else other than jujitsu and like have a normal life like going for <laughs> the restaurant for me was actually really fun like getting to meet um, normal people that don't do jiu-jitsu. But it would be amazing. I actually like, I love my friends that uh, I love my friends that don't do jiu-jitsu and stuff. And it keeps me like, um when I'm like doing jiu-jitsu too much or I'm getting like too burned out from just like a long, hard week of training okay. and stuff. And, getting to appreciate like the hard work and the you know the successes from it and then also getting to slow down and you know just float down the river on a like nice summer day and stuff yeah and hanging out with friends is like it's it's so much fun it's worth it so jujitsu was never like uh, I never thought I would never had that experience yet where I thought I would quit I did have like surgeries that would um, I've had two major surgeries one at like 15 um, on my shoulder uh, and then Mm -hmm. one at um, maybe it was in 2018 uh, so not too long ago on my knee and those like each took a year to recover to get back to like my full um, like normal 20 year old self and not feel like I was like having to warm up for 30 minutes just to Get uh, just so I could fully squat and uh, do all my range of motion. But even when I was injured, I was just like thinking jujitsu or wrestling. And I think that's probably because one of my major injuries when I had uh, my knee surgery was during the wrestling season. So we were required in college, I was still required to go to practice, even if I was just sitting on the side. And then also yeah. because my partner Faye was also doing her first year wrestling ever in college so there's there was like that opportunity for and that's why female wrestling I think is also growing because a lot of collegiate opportunities even if you have no experience um that you're able they're offering scholarships and so I kind of just like focused on helping her even though I was like sidelined so and it just kind of tests test me and like uh in my uh, like my mindset, and of course, it. I wasn't always perfect. There would be times where I would just be like, "Oh no, I don't want to do this anymore." But it was never like I want to quit. I think I think it was just a, a testament to my like you know uh, mental strength or something about coming back. So I don't think I've gotten to the point where uh, I've been broken yet from jiu <laughs> jitsu. <laughs> so. Uh when when I get there then uh well then Well, you- well fingers crossed you won't won't get there. It
6: will never happen. <laughs> yeah. <It'll probably laughs> be it. Like, you're
3: yeah, I'll be like I quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not technically called quitting now, it's just like an yeah. arrest day for you, right?
5: <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's not for, for me uh hasn't happened. Uh but uh, I've seen other people go through it and then come back from it, and it's been amazing uh, mm-hmm. watching their journey and seeing them uh, pick something back up that they thought they might not have continued, and and it's really cool to see. Um, I always, yeah. I'd rather pick um, the white belt that sucks at the, sucks at jujitsu but keeps trying every day than the talented one that just
4: things that doesn't put in the hard work you know yeah okay back to you jake oh okay falling asleep
1: back there no no i I, I was listening i was like okay anybody else anybody else have a a quitting story
3: i mean i'm living through the blue belt blues so i'll let you know i guess how i fare through it
4: (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah but but Uh, you're still here so
3: i mean yeah no i think um I I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm a little bit of a unique situation since we also have our own school. So I don't know if <laughs> quitting would technically be an option at this point. Closing
4: like, the like, school. Right?
3: <laughs> like I'm married to my coach. I don't think I have an option to quit. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I could. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think for me, the hardest part was COVID because before COVID, I... Um, was competing a lot like when I first started doing the podcast with you I was still like white belt and competing and like top 25 masters all these things and like it was a huge part of my identity but then also realizing that like okay do I want to be the best like this is going to sound terrible and we talked about this before Jake but like do I want to be the best at being kind of okay like as a white belt like do you want to be the best at sucking Or do you want to get better and, you know, have a long journey? So I actually got my blue belt right before COVID hit. Like we had traveled right before they stopped people traveling. So like we went up to Wisconsin, Carlson Gracie Jr. Put my blue belt on me, you know, February, whatever, 2020, I guess, when everything started. So then completely shifted to stay-at-home mom, homeschooling because of COVID. Like, we had never, you know, homeschooled before. And then, you know, changing our locations for our gym. So I kind of had a little bit recently, right before I started doing lessons with Alex, a little bit of, like, an identity crisis of, like, okay, I did one tournament as a blue ball, and I got smashed. But I also got smashed because the majority of the people I went up against are not also at home, home homeschool, business, like, so I think I've had to kind of be a little scrappier and try to remind myself that it's okay to lose sometimes, but to keep going. But I did, you know, at first I had done, and I told Alex, um, my husband was like, okay, we got to get better at your stand up. If you're going to like long-term compete, like I don't have some goal of being the world-class best whatever but like I want to be really good when I compete and I would like to win as often as possible um so we were doing judo and I was like I don't like this I don't like being thrown I don't like throwing people I'm scared it hurts I don't want to do it so my husband was like well why don't we look into wrestling and then if you enjoy that more maybe you will enjoy your jujitsu more too because you know you're not so Terrified of like the start of a match and stuff. So you know, working with Alex really helped me to feel like okay, I can navigate through this. Like you know, I have keys to the place, so I can get my jujitsu better. Like I I'm in this for the long haul, even if I'm not better right away. But like finding that joy, and I think too for me, again, I know I'm a unique situation because I'm like married to my coach, and we have a gym and everything. Um, I think having that little bit of like time this is so cheesy but like that time with Alex it's like mine that like we're there doing something that I'm enjoying that's helping my jujitsu instead of like investing in all of our students or you know the homeschool scene or the mom scene so like for me jujitsu has kind of become like a little bit of my identity <laughs> and it makes me it's so funny someone the other day was like you don't act like a normal mom I was like oh do our normal mom's not allowed to do like jujitsu and all these things and I think um that that's kind of where sometimes people can get those blue belt blues or even just the blues of like not feeling like they're progressing enough because they're not looking at the whole picture you know like I got really upset or emotional that like oh man I don't feel like you know, I feel like I should be higher ranked than I am. But then reminding myself, like, wait a minute, I'm like a full-time mom, all these hundred other things that I'm doing. These other people that are surpassing me are also training six to seven days a week, two times a day. They don't have all these other things. And it's not to discredit that they don't have the things that I'm encountering, but just to realize, like, okay. If I'm really in this for the long haul, I need to stop caring what other people are doing. So,
2: no, I think that's you made a really good point there, and it's something I can relate to because my um, my partner is also my coach, and we co-run two um, gyms here in Madrid, and they're both growing quite rapidly. So, um, when I was out with my ACL, I knew I'd be out for a bit. But I'm a blue belt as well but I just knew there's no quitting. I can't quit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not <That's> happening. <laughs> I, I also didn't want to quit as well so that did help but yeah I should preface
3: I don't I haven't ever been like I hate it and don't want to do it but I also think like you said when you are immersed in it as much as we are I think you don't even allow yourself to think like you could it. you're like yeah. I'll recover yeah. and heal and get back to it.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah yeah I, I went through a, a period um, Twice uh, Once at White Belt And I, I wasn't thinking about quitting I said to a teammate I think I want to take a bit of a breather Because once my uh, Career changed I had a lot of time To get to the gym And it just all the available slots I was just going anytime I could get in And I was like oh I think I'm burning out And I says to one teammate We were sitting on the side And I was like I think it was, I think it might take a, a little bit of a breather and he turns to me, like dead serious. He goes, "Don't fucking quit."
6: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I was just like, like I'm, I'm getting chills now. <laughs> like, like Bro. I was like, okay, because i never heard him cuss. So I was, I was like, oh my god, like, Are serious? <laughs> this is legit. Yeah. Like, and then my wife, she she won't let me quit. And uh, one of my teammates uh, oh, okay. from episode one, Mark, it's like those two anytime I feel like I'm, I'm going through the blues,
6: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you know, I stop and talk to Mark and, you know, we, we both kind of, he puts things into perspective. So it, it, as much as I may be going, you know, at a slower pace than the rest of the team, it, I think the point that he makes is like, dude, you're still there. And it, he reminds us like, dude, you love the sport. I know you love the sports, use your resources and just, mm-hmm. you know, keep focus and, it's like, oh, like, wow, you know what? I, I needed that reminder that, you know mm-hmm. what? The, like all the other stuff that's kind of clouding my brain, you know, just all the other tolls of life. It's like, oh, wait a minute. You're right. Mm-hmm. Jiu-jitsu always there for me. What am I doing? So.
3: Yeah. I, I think I, it I, helps to have people to talk to. Like we were talking about yeah. a lot of people quit at Blue Belt. And I would be curious if someone ever did. Zach, maybe you can add this to your list of things. I feel like you're a guy that likes to know the research behind stuff. I would be so curious how immersed in the culture those Blue Belts were that quit. Like if there are people that came in as a White Belt and then they got promoted to Blue Belt, but they didn't, you know, they didn't go to watch their teammates compete or they didn't go cross train and meet other people that train or you know what I mean like being immersed in the culture like at this point honestly even not being married to my coach I feel like I've made enough jiu friends that if I stopped doing through the majority of my friends would be like hey where the hell did you go like what's going on you know because like we've made those relationships with people and I think mm. that's important
1: think that's uh, ideal for my next round table. I, I got a few blue belts to...
3: to
6: <laughs> oh, no, <only> blue belt. <laughs>
1: I-, I know they're listening. I-, I have a question, you know, for Johan, and more so, you know, kind of everyone collectively, but injuries and training. Well, what kind of toll has, you know, just the body stress, eh, what kind of toll is that taken on your everyday life outside of
4: jiu-jitsu? Well, my body's broke. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, uh, I have always had problems with my knees and my back. I think the knees are because I played badminton for like 13 years, uh, uh, competed and everything. And uh, the hard surface uh, and the running back and forth are kind of busted up my knees and my back just age i think and i've been doing martial arts also for most of my my years since i was 10 different type of martial arts so uh but i constantly have problems with my knees and my back but the good or and bad part is that if i don't do jiu-jitsu one or two times a week it will get very very worse so uh, when i uh getting sick or getting a cold and i can't train my back will break down the week after and i will be gone for two weeks or three weeks so that's how it goes (laughs) Uh, but my knees are kind of they are popping and getting out of place and stuff like that doing practice but i just need to pop them back and put on some (laughs) and yeah so it works but yeah i'm I'm getting old
1: (laughs) (laughs) You and I both, my friend. Yeah. And Zach, for you, uh, you know, again, I know coming back to training and everything, you know, has there been any, not just recently, but I mean, period, throughout your journey, what kind of tolls have uh, injuries played on you in your, uh, from jiu-jitsu to regular life?
0: Sure. So I haven't had any severe injuries. I did have a uh, umbilical hernia one time that I had to spend probably a month off of training, um, because they put like a mesh in there and it pulled on my abs every time I moved. So I had to take a month off because I literally couldn't do anything else. As far as, um, knees and elbows and necks and that kind of thing. I haven't had any severe injuries I've had, you know, the normal, Oh, it popped and, or tweaked it or, you know, whatever those terms we use are. Uh, I'll, I'll pay for those at some point. There's no doubt in my mind, but, um, yeah, just like Johan said, for me it's uh it's kind of like inertia, you know, it, it's an object that's moving stays in motion. So if I if I get in the habit of training a few times a week and then I don't, I feel absolutely awful. And then when I pick it back up again, I feel absolutely awful. And it just, you know, whatever side of that that I land on, I just have to stick with it. So it's kind of an actual nudge to to stick with what I'm doing. Um and I'd rather be on the jujitsu side of that equation than, the, you know, taking a rest. So now I'm at the point where if I get hurt, then I'll at least try to do something, you know, go to the gym and watch people uh, maybe do some some light workouts or whatever to stay active. Because if I sit still for any length of time, man, I get stiff, I get achy, I get uh, and that's just the physical. Like there's also the mental aspect. Like I get in a really pissy state if I don't like get it out of my system. Uh, at least a couple times a week and my wife will be like well you really need to probably go train today <laughs> like i don't uh, i'm hurting i don't want it. like you go to the gym right now <laughs> so it's kind of unspoken you know that we have our physical injuries but we have our our emotional and mental injuries as well that you have to
1: to keep up with sure sure absolutely um, and, and Paige. Uh, yeah
3: um i don't See now I'm nervous because I'm the lowest rank. I'm like, oh my god, what I'm gonna have to worry about my back? My knees are
6: gonna
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so far I haven't had too many big injuries. I think most of mine that I've had to like work through is my body responding to new movements and things and me like, oh, is this an injury or is this like sore and I'm gonna work through this? Like poor Alex, one of our like we had just started doing some lessons and I remember being like, girl, I think I bruised my rib. I don't know. I'm really sore. Like I can't and then later I just, you know, had kind of realized, okay, it's just because like I'm doing new movements and new things and my body needed a second to like adjust. <laughs> um the biggest one for me was I had my nose Uh, broken in a tournament and it's still a little a little crooked here um because I did I did the match and then I think it got broken in the first match and then I continued and had a few more matches and then refused to listen to my husband you know because that's we don't always listen to our significant others um (laughs) Um I woke up and he he like rolls over and he was like, Oh shit, your nose like goes in the (laughs) door. He was like broken. (laughs) So then I was off the mat for 10. He was almost two weeks with that. I've probably been the, the biggest. I haven't had any like knees or you know, I got I get banged up now that I'm trying to do all the things Alex is. You know, with the wrestling and the stand-up, my face is taking a little bit more of a beating than I'm used to. <laughs> so I secretly kind of like it. I'll text Alex. I'm like, look at this bruise I got trying to do that thing with the guy. And it's like, just, I kind of like. I don't know. I'm a weird. Like, I haven't had any major injuries. And I think just learning to train through um, and listening to your body and knowing the difference. You know, like being aware of certain moves that you shouldn't do or that maybe you are capable yeah. you know just like knowing your body's limitations like i'm a 30 something year old mom like there's no goga plot is happening <laughs> it's not gonna happen for me that's okay but i think realizing that is how you continue to train for the long term like the long game
4: <laughs> this thing about listening to your body i have to have to learn that too uh, i actually Now I remember, I actually had an injury. I broke my hand uh, and uh, yeah, uh, it was the bone on the side of the hand here. So, and I just thought, well, yeah, I will tape it and just move move on. So I went with this broken hand for like half a year before it got really bad, (laughs) (laughs) so I had to get help. (laughs) And uh, yeah, uh, my wife works, uh, well, she's an x-ray nurse, So I have to promise her now that I will (laughs) shake up on my injuries and listen to my body. So yeah. But um yeah, that's a big thing. Listen to your body. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um and Alex, how about you with the toll that you know training has had on on you from the mat to just outside life physically?
5: Yeah, uh physically and emotionally. On the lighter side, I feel like when you train all the time, whether it's jujitsu or just working out all the time, I feel like you're always a little sore. I feel like I'm always a little sore, but I've kind of been smarter smarter about ranking about where, where I'm at in the soreness level. But it's just like, if if you move, you're sore. If you don't move, you're sore. So it's just like, you choose which, which type of sore you want to be, you know? But, uh, a tendency of like that you know when you're always moving your body I I tend to feel better I the two major injuries or I've actually had surgery uh, it sucked a lot you know it's not just like the uh the emotional side of just be having to be sat out for a while and then like the physical atrophy that you get from your body but also like you know uh, fortunately, my, my college paid for my surgery and rehab because being a collegiate athlete, I took full advantage of the fact that you could get everything paid for for things. So even if I'd get hurt in Jiu Jitsu, I'd just go to wrestling practice and be like, oh no, I broke my leg, but it was in wrestling. So you guys have to pay for it. Uh, oh no. That's uh, like a little hack that I've seen a lot of collegiate athletes use which but then also like i've learned you know on that because being a collegiate athlete the craziness of uh and the e- extreme of collegiate sports and how you know you uh it's not all colleges but a lot of colleges and it's still uh, like a very big tendency uh for collegiate sports that you know your coaches might care for you but like you're just like a body at the end of the day it's like we need when the team needs you the team needs you but then you use your body until you're completely broken and then and then you're thrown away or replaced by the next the next person in line and it and it sucks and I've seen a lot of um very talented young people like just just change their whole life because of not just overuse injuries, but injuries that could have been prevented from just sitting out for a week or two, but it became so bad that, you know, they have long lasting effects on their life, especially with neck and back injuries, you know, anything dealing with your spine. And so I've been trying to, fortunately, I've only had like the shoulder and knee surgery. The knee surgery sucked more, I think way more than the shoulder, because I think Learning, realizing that I can't just like walk around from place to place was like that really sucked, and it was really funny. I actually I didn't need a wheelchair. Uh, I just needed like my crutches. But like my coach was just like on me about like don't use your leg or something. And so I was like, okay, fine. I'll get a wheelchair anyway. I couldn't find a wheelchair. I went to all the Goodwills and apparently. Well, dude was buying all the wheelchairs. And- <laughs> so I was like, are you, are you in In like the same metro Atlanta area. So what? I went to Craigslist. I, I found uh found some lady on a wheelchair, went all the way out there, um, like out of the way, and I went to go pick it up, and then she's telling me the story of how her obese grandmother died in that wheelchair. And I was like, Hi, why <laughs> are what? you telling me this? And then I get in the wheelchair, and it was an oversized wheelchair. Like I could fit, I could fit my backpack, like I two backpacks on both sides. I barely fit through like the doors of things. It, oh like, my god! And I was like, "Why am I even mm-hmm. using this?" But it was hilarious. I felt like I had to wheel with my arms like completely, <laughs> completely <laughs> my wrist just like this. Like I couldn't. put it was, it was really funny. But um, and so I. Like, I can barely even, fit. I have to take that wheelchair to my parents' house and, like, put it in storage because it doesn't fit around. But, um, yeah, like, it's just those, I'm getting better as a, as an athlete, determining and making sure I'm listening to my body, like what uh, Johan was saying, and being smarter about everything. And, of course, I'm still a little bit of a hypocrite. When it comes at like everyone's great at giving advice, but taking their own advice is like yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh I try to be better about that, especially when it comes to neck injuries and back injuries, like I've had a little bit of that from just like wrestling and stuff, and I try to listen uh to my body more, especially when that happens because it's just so such a downhill slide super fast and neck and back injuries i could see i've seen how it it can affect a lot of people's uh just the quality of life you know and so just trying to avoid those big ones for the most part but you know the active recovery is i in my opinion i think even more important than your actual training because i mean that's what keeps you on the mat and i've been happy because I've actually ever like recently, I guess these past two years have been healthier than I've ever been. Shh, don't jinx
3: it. Don't say it out loud. Don't nobody yeah. say yeah. it out loud.
5: <laughs> Knocking <laughs> on <out loud. laughs> We're all gonna get injured tomorrow while training. Yeah. Oh <laughs> right? You're gonna be like out for I'm not even gonna say it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh I've been happy uh, that everything's been going super well for me and uh, been on top of, I've been feeling the best that I've ever felt as like consistently training, you know, and I feel like other other black belts, I mean, they always say that like, oh, I'm always hurt and broken, like I've never not competed. And it's just like, you know, that stigma of like, oh, just keep pushing. But like, I feel like I've been way smarter and I've actually, I actually compete. The, at a really healthy, you know, percentage of my body. I'm like, I'm I'm actually don't feel injured when I go t- to compete. I feel great. So that's something I'm trying to keep up because I want to do this for a really long time. Even if I don't want to do it competitively when I get older, I still want to do jujitsu forever. I think it's it's great to just stay in shape and, you know, form of activity. So, yeah.
1: There's, um, a line from an old movie, uh, 1992. I know some of y'all might be a little too young for that, but you know, um, uh, the movie's called the program. It's a football movie and there's a a line in the movie where the running back gets cracked during practice. He falls down, he's laying there. Coach comes over and goes, are you hurt or are you injured?
6: Oh yeah.
1: And he's like, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're hurt, you can keep playing. And yeah. I always thought about that as I've gotten older now. Mm-hmm. And now <laughs> I, I say that to myself. I'm like, well, it does. I, I am hurt, but I still got to listen to my body.
6: Emotionally and physically
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I take it now where it's like, yes, I'm hurt, but I still got to be smart. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, go back out there, but not work around it. So, uh, yeah, the injury game can be can be wild and then the after effect into your Mm -hmm. regular life is also even wilder so Mm -hmm. uh i'm gonna hand this back over to tiana
2: okay Paige. i know on your social media you're quite open about the fact that you struggled in the past with body image and eating problems how has doing bjj and lifting helped you overcome those Oh
3: man, honestly, before I started doing the lifting, competing in jujitsu didn't really help with the eating disorder. (laughs) I was constantly trying to like make weight or, you know, lose weight. But I think once, you know, it all goes back to looking at your own jujitsu journey, like I said before, I had to finally decide like, okay, if I'm going to be a mom and I'm going to be a good mom and a wife and a business owner, like I can't consume myself so much with, you know, dropping weight and, you know, I can't run to the sauna and do all these little things to drop weight and stuff. Like I had to find a balance of like, I can sit down and have dinner with my family and my child, you know, I have a little girl. So as females, it was really important for me not to let her see like oh, mommy's constantly doing all this stuff. I think once I started lifting and getting stronger and seeing that like, just because you're larger doesn't mean that you're not still healthy and athletic. Um, that really helped me a lot. So, you know, before, after coming back from having a baby, it was just like, oh, my body's bigger and it doesn't move great and this sucks. But then once I started like weightlifting and doing a lot more of the, you know, kind of like Alex said, like active recovery days. Like the other day I didn't lift or train jiu but like my daughter and I went for a two hour hike. It wasn't a big up mountain hike, but like we were hiking and moving. Um, I think that it has just helped me realize that I can be good at jiu-jitsu for who I am and not for who I try to be or how I try to make my body. Yes, and yes. you know, one of the biggest things um, that happened personally, um when I was competing a lot and I was trying to drop weight a lot, and I did. I mean, you can go back through my social media. Like, I got to a point where I was like very thin and very small, but I constantly was just tired and not able to juggle it all. And I am a firm believer that every body's body is meant to be different. You know, so like. Someone else at my same height, at a different weight, that works for them. Um, you know, there was a moment where my husband told me that my daughter, they were playing or something, and she said, like, look, I'm skinny like mommy. And I was like, okay, we need to fix this. Like, this, yeah, she yeah. was four. I think she was four at the time. And I was like, no, I don't want my four-year-old being concerned with that. Um, so I think the jujitsu really just helped me tap into I guess it's gonna sound cheesy just like my inner strength as a woman that it didn't matter about size and I think that's too what I love about jujitsu regardless of what a lot of internet trolls may say um that you can be any size in this sport and still enjoy it and be good at it and like especially when you learn that control. Um so Alex's partner Faye I've rolled with her before and what I love is uh, now, she may not feel the same way when she rolls with me because I'm larger than her. But, like, I just felt confident that as we were rolling and going through stuff, I didn't feel like any point that, like, she was trying to muscle me just because she was smaller. And I didn't feel like I was ever just trying to drop my weight on her because I knew that I was heavier than her. Um, I'm sure it happens a little because I'm a blue belt and I don't mean to do it. But, you know, I just, I think that you just has helped me learn to carry my body better, <laughs> <laughs> um It's a whole new journey now, though at blue belt and competing. I've actually run into you know, like I did a tournament one time and there was no one in my weight class, so I had to do open class. Which like, sometimes, as a female, you know, it's a little bit of a blow to the ego. But I feel like that's also just because of like how we're conditioned as women from so many years of thinking that like we should be tiny, um and that's not to say anything against people that are small. I just. You know what I mean? For your own personal, like, why are you doing it? Why, why was I cutting all this weight for tournaments? I'm not a world-class athlete. This is not something that I'm doing for income. Um, I need to compete at what I train at. And I'm, you know, like Alex was saying, being able to go into matches feeling good is so important. You know, I'm like, why am I um, training 10 pounds heavier and then dropping all this weight two weeks for for a tournament. And then I go into the tournament and I feel like total shit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It just wasn't worth it to me. So um, I don't know if that totally answered the question, but I am um, definitely pretty passionate about it, mostly just because it is, it's kind of evolved um, on my journey. Like if you would have told me five years ago, like, oh, you're going to be promoting like people living in larger bodies and being happy and being athletic and healthy. Like I would have been like, no man, I really want to be skinny. I don't care. Like I just want to be skinny because I want to be skinny. So um, it's definitely helped me a lot. And I think the coolest thing is I've had so many people, not even just women. Like I've had a lot of people message me and they're like, oh my God, like they'll private message me because maybe they're still like nervous to admit it, but they're like, oh my God, I totally resonated with that post or I totally agree with that thing. So, you know, it's really, it's really helped, I guess.
1: <laughs> I have a really, really close friend who she, she's under that same concept in her brain of, I just want to be skinny for the sake of being skinny.
3: Yeah. Like no legit reason. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and it, it, I mean, growing up, it drove me crazy. And, and even now still to this day, she's been coming over uh, every so often, you know, we'll, we'll um, she's trying to get into jujitsu a little bit, but she doesn't want to do like it in a group. So um, I, you know, was showing her arm drag, and I grabbed her arm, and it was so frail. And I, I freaked mm-hmm. out, and we we mm-hmm. sat down and had a talk, and since then it's been kind of touch and go with us. Now it's like, it's oh like, no. I'm not trying. Yeah, it's you like I'm not You to trying- woman
3: about her
1: weight. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> well, oh no, no, We've got we've got a wild pass when it comes to that. Like, okay. Some things that she said to me. I'm like, hey man, I have feelings, okay? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but no, I I definitely you know I've seen that you know just up close with with my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, the ideal is just I want to be skinny, for, to yeah. be skinny because I remember asking her that when we were younger. was like, well, why? What, what's the benefit? She was like I want to look good. And this was during that that yeah. period in the early two thousands where, like, I think Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton was like, "Oh, that's hot," and it's like, yeah. Ugh.
3: Oh. <laughs> I think it's funny. I saw a meme somewhere um, that said, "Why do men look so great without makeup?" And someone responded, "Because no one ever told them they didn't." Like. That's true because no one walks around telling men that they (laughs) should be smaller, wear more makeup or anything. And I'm definitely not trying to get on a soapbox by any means, but I feel like, you know, to kind of go back to the question, Tiana, like jujitsu just helped me realize that like, it's absolutely fine to be big and strong, but also to know when to tap into that and when not to, which I think is really cool, you know, at least for me in my journey. Um, like I love that there's such a size difference between Alex and I and she could totally kick my butt any day but that like just learning how to tap into like being a larger athlete and trying to show other people that it's okay because I feel like unfortunately on social media there's this whole big misconception that like body positivity means you're promoting people eating Doritos all day and being overweight mm-hmm. Then like you're not. That's not what I promote by any means. I just try to promote that, like, it's totally okay to look different than other people and still be strong. Like, not all athletes are super tiny, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, weightlifting helps, too, because you kind of, you know, it helps to build muscle. (laughs) Yeah,
4: Yeah. we can see it as uh, train train to be healthy, but not to be skinny.
3: Yes. Uh, Oh, exactly. Yeah
6: because
4: health health is um, a whole other story like yeah like uh, yeah so I feel like I'm healthier
3: yeah I feel like I'm healthier now than I ever was at my tiniest but when I was at my tiniest I had so many people like congratulating me and it also didn't help that I used to work in fitness so like my whole job was being at a gym all day watching people like try to sweat off every calorie I'm sure that didn't help for my mental state um yeah, like now I focus on like eating good foods and weightlifting and training and being strong. Um, And I like, I don't have a lot of people that comment on my health, but when I was like running all the time and always burning more calories than I was consuming and I was like 145 pounds, which I'm five, seven, like I'm, that's kind of a larger female. (laughs) I was really tiny. People all the time would be like you're so thin you're so fat like what do you do and of course we lie you know oh i eat really healthy Thank no you. man i don't need anything i drink a lunch and dinner and i run and then i pass out and fall asleep <laughs> jujitsu so actually yeah that's probably how jujitsu has helped me in order to survive all right
1: so um we're getting closer to that time i, I didn't realize the time as I looked at it So I want to ask uh, just one real quick question To Alex here uh, You know I've been thinking about it With you coaching and competing um, and, and Just kind of uh, Having that game Both those games in your pockets um, How would you describe Your DJJ uh, game Versus your teaching style
5: I think they're very similar uh, I kind of The way I coach, I could see what I personally like to do. And the way I coach is very similar to how I was coached uh, with my first Jiu-Jitsu coach, Steve Mitchell, and he's very direct. And it's like step-by-step, like trying to – I could teach someone something that they don't know right on the spot but make it, like, efficient. And so I'd say I always try to find, like, the most efficient answer whether I whenever I'm competing and coaching and try to, you know, get the most like efficient result out of it. uh, I think the hardest thing for me is finding that balance between competing and coaching, you know, because I I do take part of like, uh, the kids program. And then also with teaching privates i get invested into the people that i work with and i want to be there when they compete especially so but it's hard for me because i, I i've always i also have to but uh, i have to have camps training camps and and get ready for my competition so it it frustrates me that like because i love coaching and i uh, one of my goals is to be one of the best like you know female coaches by the time i'm done with my Uh, career and stuff is so but I was also told like by my coaches and uh, my previous coaches and and Bruno today like I need to also focus on myself like uh, focus on being a competitor right now so it's just like splitting that time well enough so that like sometimes I miss a lot of the kids tournaments because somehow they always line up on the days that I have to go compete Um, and it it, and it, it it like breaks my heart because I, I want to be there for them. But then I also have to understand that like I, I'm still building my career and building my brand, my name right now. So um, I also have to go out there and compete. But yes, my teaching and uh, my coaching and my competition, I could, I'd say they're very similar. The way I compete and coach is probably like what I see through my perspective, but I also take into account how that person likes to, uh, what their game is like, what they like to roll. So I don't try to, don't try to, I wouldn't tell them to do a bolo if they're like a S- master's division three. And uh, I'd tell Thanks, them, to, yeah, just to get up, <laughs> come up on top, you know. Um, but I'm very specific. A lot of the times when I, when I coach, I feel like you know, I'm playing a video game, I'm the one holding the controller, and you're the character, and if you don't do what I say, I'm like, why aren't you doing it? <laughs> but usually, if I say it enough times, then they'll do it. But you also have to take into account, like, the different belt levels, skill levels, as the higher rank the person you're, you're coaching is, it becomes, the, the coaching advice becomes, it becomes more advice rather than, like, I need you to do this. It's not more of a a mandate is more advice because they have enough knowledge and skills that they kind of know what they're doing. I just kind of can give the third person point of view uh, of what I see, you know?
1: Um, and just kind of real quick, kind of piggybacking off of that, which do you find more enjoyable coaching or competing?
6: Oh,
5: I'll- <laughs> Winning
6: I wasn't feels- going to ask that, but I was like, you know what?
1: Let me end that. Let, let me end on that
5: one. Yeah. Winning <laughs> feels amazing. It's just like jujitsu, like winning and losing for yourself feels uh, is like brings me the highest highs and lowest lows because I put jujitsu in front of everything, but also like getting to experience like teaching kids and, uh, and watching, like watching the joy on the the on the kids face when they win and then even the parents i've had parents come up to me like full-grown men like starting to cry and stuff like oh. watching their he's like i've never thought i'd see myself and it's it's amazing and it's oh. like so rewarding oh. and so i feel like that's why i really enjoy coaching and getting into coaching i feel like as much as i love to win i do love uh watching other people and my teammates succeed so that's why I'm so torn all the time between coaching and competing. And it wasn't uh, like, uh, and that's why also uh, like me and Faye, I was like, I personally, like, I want I want a kid already. And she's like, no, no, I want to enjoy our youth. But it's like that back and forth. And I just like basically adopt kids from the kids' class and be like, this is mine. You're mine.
3: (laughs) it's gonna be like a whole group of like little minions that grow up under alex and they're just gonna like be amazing world athletes exactly (laughs)
5: that's and like uh it's it's just awesome watching them compete and like sometimes it's crazy you watch someone who like a kid might not be the most talented when they start off with but uh when you start with them and then as they go progress and then uh, you promote them, you give them their gray belt and then all of a sudden become this beast and I'm like, where did that come from? It's like you give them the belt and all of a sudden they get some superpowers and I feel like that happens for adults too all of a sudden, like the whole yep. black belt magic thing, you know? <laughs> and like, I, it happens for kids too and it, it's, it's awesome to see, you know? So, I'm kind of at a tie right now. I don't know. <laughs> I'd say... I do really wa- love watching other people succeed that y- you've been able to put your hand uh, in the, in their jujitsu career, you know?
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Good, good. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up here just cause I know get, you know, we got lives outside of this. So I just want to say again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for making time to do this with me uh you know every single one of you uh this has been amazing and I'm, I'm gonna be honest as i'm sitting here listening to you all answer i was getting a little emotional just thinking like damn dude this i am privileged to call mm-hmm. you all my friends so thank you mm-hmm. so much for doing this mm-hmm. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, thank you so uh in in closing out normally i ask everybody you know you know, and shout outs, we, we, we got a, a big table here. So what I'm gonna do is I, I got, you know, stuff from everyone's previous episodes, I'm gonna drop all those yeah. in the show notes. But, um, but before we get out of here, I'm just gonna go around uh, one by one and ask you to just drop your um, Instagram, you know, info. So that way we can find you. So, uh, Johan, uh, go ahead and let us know where we can find
4: you. Yeah, you Lord 18. Sorry, I
1: got muted. I was gonna spell it out. <laughs> because people didn't know. Uh, what is it? Uh, that's j-o-h-l-o-r-a-0. Yep. And Zach, where can we find you at, my friend?
0: Yes, yeah, student of BJJ. Instagram account is probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. Uh, DM me anytime. You know, I love talking
1: about the sport, um, day or night. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. And Paige.
3: Uh- BJJ mama is bjjmomma M-O-M-M-A is my Instagram handle. And I just like to share my personal journey and hope it helps people with theirs.
1: <laughs> and Alex.
5: Um, it's Instagram is A Enriquez-A-E-N-R-I-Q-U-E-Z 218. Trying to be more on social media because it's what I have to do as a professional athlete post more reels, technique videos, and stuff. Feel free to, you know, I love to chat, uh, DM me at any time. Any questions, more than welcome to answer about jujitsu, technique,
2: whatever. Excellent.
1: And my co host, Miss Tiana.
2: Yeah, I'm on Instagram under Tiana, which is T-E-A-N-N-A underscore Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R underscore BJJ. Nice and long.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Tiana, for uh, helping and both of you guys putting this together. Thank you. It's really cool. I can't wait to hear the finished product.
2: Uh, Uh, Thank you for all of your responses, because I feel I've learned a lot from all of you and some of the insights... your experiences advice it's it's been really enjoyable and thank you so much for dedicating over two hours of your time to this we really appreciate it
1: absolutely and um for uh, everybody out there listening thank you so much for being along this journey with uh with me I, like i said i didn't think we we're gonna make it past five episodes but well, here we are at 100 so Woo-hoo! thank
6: you
1: uh, if you have any questions concerns reach out to me I'm available at mats Podcast on Instagram or also BJJ.wiki on Instagram as well. Big shout out to everyone here today. Thank you. I love you all. And otherwise, you guys keep listening. I'm going to keep making these shows. Thank you so much. And we'll be back for 101. Bye, y'all.